Hello and welcome to QIC's QPod Investor Podcast Series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each Monday morning we invite our listeners into our Liquid Market Team's Financial Market Update Meeting to get a briefing on the latest themes impacting the equity, fixed income, commodity, currency, and volatility markets. Good morning, everyone, and uh, looking forward to the update this morning after another weekend of news. Stu, would you mind if we start with you with regards to what happened last week, what you're expecting for the week ahead, and any important themes to update us all on, please? Yeah, thanks, Craig. I'll probably kick off with the, the main themes that have been driving the price action, and I think we've got to go back a bit because after this such a sharp drawdown in March, followed by an unprecedented bounce, we're now arguably entering a period where a really two-way price action, which for investors equates to a choppy trading environment. And this is where price action is driven alternatively by competing narratives rather than the focus on one side. And we've seen very much one-sided narratives uh, really throughout this, this crisis and the recovery. So for much of the post-March period, investors have focused on the immense policy stimulus, increasing social mobility, an undoubted improvement in the economy, and also conservative institutional positioning. However, from mid-last week, the narrative switched to second-wave pandemic concerns, a challenging, slow, and uneven economic recovery, and probably you know what can be called an unhealthy level of retail participation, driving some parts of the market to extremes. So, I mean, you know, a lot of these themes have been in place for a while. It's just the focus has been on one and now the other. And these are very persistent themes. And, and so the market's attention will nearly, you know, really be driving uh, how risk assets perform going forward. And it's just whether the sentiment focuses on, on one set of narratives, which alternates between fear of a second wave pandemic, or the other narratives, which is really greed associated with the stimulus. And, you know, these impacts are felt across equities, rates, credit, commodities and currencies. And also in the background, in terms of themes where we've still got that fragile geopolitical environment between the US and China. And now, you know, what's getting more attention is this looming US election where Trump's polling numbers have dived, has dived as he's misjudged the public mood on Black Lives Matter and social justice. And also something we've been talking about for a few weeks is really that significant variation in returns across countries, sectors, and factors. Um, in terms of how that shaped up to the price action last week, you know, we saw that big reversal in equities on Thursday. There was a slight recovery on Friday. Um, but really going forward this week, it depends on where that narrative um, sits and how sentiment fits. And, and at the moment, you'd argue that it's more around this second wave on the coronavirus. In terms of how that's affected currencies, you know, last week's moves in exchange rates really um, played out across those narratives with defensive currencies leading the way, our performance of yen, Swiss and the dollar, and those high beta currencies and commodity exporters underperformed. And the Aussie made it briefly over 70.50 following the Fed meeting, uh, but it's now over 3% lower. And Stuart, you mentioned the second wave before. I think we're at about 7.8 million cases of COVID globally at the moment. Um, and can you give us a quick update on the status with regards to COVID across the world? And of course, in Australia, 
watching it really closely as we start to uh, ramp up the reopening of our economy. Yeah, that's right. And domestically, you know, the news is still good. The virus is still contained with very few new infections. The news over the weekend is really China getting 57 new infections in Beijing. But, you know, that's really just noise compared to what's going on elsewhere. And globally, the news remains bad with the past three days producing the highest number of new infections. Still accelerating across Central and South America, the Middle East, Africa and parts of Asia including India and Indonesia. Uh, but what's really captured the market's attention, you know, what investors are interested in is this, what's being called the second wave in the United States, as 22 states are seeing a rising rate of new infections, with a particular focus on California, Texas, and Florida there. And it's, I think it's fair to say that a number of these states are really still just experienced their first wave. Uh, but at a national level in the US, we've seen an uptick of new infections. And really, we haven't even seen that impact from those mass demonstrations yet. Uh, in terms of you know what that means for the economy, you know undoubtedly it's going to have an impact on the speed of reopening of the economy. But also, I think over the next few weeks, there's going to be a lot of focus on those numbers coming out of New York, as they have their tentative reopening of the city and you know for, towards a more normal level of activity. Thanks, Stuart. And uh, definitely the area we want to get into now is how this, uh, up, these further updates of COVID uh, will start to impact the economy, given that we've had a one-sided market reaction to date. Um, Robert, can I bring you in, please, with regards to providing us an equities update and a commodities update? And Stuart mentioned before that whilst we had a bit of a reversal on Thursday, things improved on Friday. So can we get your th thoughts on what was occurring there and what themes might be playing out? Yeah, Craig, equity markets finished down approximately 5% on the week, but it was really dominated, as Stuart said, on Thursday's route where the S&P actually fell 5.8%, um, which is one of the biggest moves we've sort of seen since, I guess, the middle of the COVID crisis. Um, the standout performer by far was the NASDAQ and, I guess, big tech. It fell only 1%, while the euro stocks was our, the worst performer down 5.6% uh, for the week. Uh, we did see a big reversal in equity value, so from a factor perspective, um, but the other styles, momentum, quality and low beta, all performed quite strongly. The big outperformer for me was on the volatility side of things, where the VIX actually rallied over 11.5 vol points, which is almost double what we'd expect given the size of the equity market move. In commodities, yeah, we saw uh, oil fall almost uh, 7%, underperforming our expected equity beta. And I think um, gold defied its traditional uh, positive equity beta, finishing the week up about 3%. Thanks, Robert. Uh, Beverly, I might bring it to you now. Last week, we had the update from the FOMC. Is there any other data updates to be aware of coming up this week and any other impacts to be across with regards to the bond markets? Yeah, hi, Craig. Yeah, you're, you're right. We did get the FOMC last week, um, you know, and certainly in our minds, what we thought was a fairly dovish delivery. Um, not all markets felt um, as though that that's what they actually received from the FOMC. And we obviously saw a little bit of disappointment type of price action in equities the following day. Um, this week, we have um, another update with um, Jay Powell giving a semi-annual testimony to Congress. Um, that'll be over two days 
later this week. Um, we also have the RBA minutes um, coming up this week as well. I, I don't think, given that we've had, you know, very timely updates um, from both of those central banks now that the developments this week are going to be that market moving. Uh, I think, you know, as Stu pointed out, um, central banks aren't really being the major driver of markets here at the moment. It's very much around those second wave concerns um, and reading the economic data. Um, you know, central banks everywhere have highlighted the huge amount of uncertainty in the outlook here um, and, and the uncertainty um, of their economic forecast. So like everyone else, they'll be watching the data come through. Um, and just to touch on that, you know, as Stu mentioned, over the previous weeks, we'd seen a bit of optimism creep into markets and certainly um, along the economic recovery and a lot of bounce in economic data. That's still happening. Uh, so the economic surprise indices, they are still surprising to the upside. We saw another one of those on Friday night with US consumer confidence um, bouncing more than expected. Um, but just to come back to, to Stu's point that we're seeing very different developments in COVID, we're also seeing a very different developments in the speed of recovery. So whilst that bounce in US consumer confidence is, is quite impressive, um, it's still way off pre-COVID levels. Um, and if you recall, we were talking last week, that's quite different to what we're seeing in Australia, where Australia has now almost, well, in fact, all fully recovered all of its post-COVID fall. So Aussie consumers here feeling a lot more confident than US consumers, despite, you know, improving off the lows. But bond, for bond markets here, you know, the, the outlook and, and what do we think about, you know, recent developments? Um, we always knew this was going to be a slow and choppy ride for markets, that as we come out of lockdowns, economic activity was going to bounce, but we were going to be getting those increase in cases of COVID. This isn't new news. Um, this is always to be expected. Markets now need to absorb that rise in cases and get confidence that it's not going to mean another lockdown of activity. That's the key. Um, I think for us, we're still very much of the view that what we're in here in terms of an asset price move is is one of cyclical recovery and that's certainly the playbook that we um, have um, in our portfolios and that's the one we think you know investors should be following but we need to keep checking um, and this week is an is a reminder of that that politics and the pandemic don't knock that recovery off course and so far we're of the view that what we're seeing is not doing that but it's certainly you know what, what investors you know over the last week have, have had to reconsider once again Thanks, Beverly. And uh, Richard, I might bring you into the conversation before we move across to Europe and the emerging markets and just focus a little bit on credit because we heard before that equity markets have done well on Friday. We had a bit of a tough week last week. But of course, I suppose they're stealing a lot of the limelight away from what could be a bigger area for investors, which is credit. So can we get an update on the credit market, please? Yeah, sure, Craig. Um, yeah, like like you said, Friday was um, was pretty quiet in, in markets for credit. Um, it, it had a little bit of a bounce back, but we have seen a decent widening in credit markets over the last week or two. But to really to put that in context, we're only back to levels of the first week of June, um, you know, given that we've had a very strong rally from sort of the March wides, and we still sit around 60% tighter than those March wides. Um, you know, and, and I think for us, we, we see this as a healthy correction and it's still sort of positive on, on credit. And there's a few reasons for that. Obviously, central banks supporting um, that, that reach for yield. But not only that, um, 
you know, they're actually in buying credit with with um, with private investors as well. So, you know, the Bank of Japan, ECB and Fed are all actually in buying credit. And we know that if spreads were continued to, to widen, that, you know, they'd double down on, on those efforts. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the forward-looking supply picture. Um, we've done a whole podcast on it, in fact. And, you know, really you've seen in just the behaviour of, um, of corporates during, you know, any volatile period. So Thursday, as an example, uh, the S&P down 5%. Corporates just pulled all their um, supply for that day. So they really don't need to issue. They've got themselves in a very positive position there. Um, and then I think the other thing is that companies are running businesses for bondholders and, and not shareholders. So, you know, they're fortifying balance sheets. They're running more liquidity. They're cutting dividends. And, you know, that that's not what normally happens. Normally, there's, you know, that little bit of preference for the for the shareholders over the bondholders. So that's sort of turned around. And then the strong inflows we're seeing into the asset class. And and I guess also the cash on, on sidelines right now is, is huge. We know that um, the inflows into money market funds have been enormous through COVID. And at some point, you know, they will recycle out of um, cash and that will need to get uh, reinvested. Um, and then I think the the other thing that we've been watching closely um, is just, you know, Aussie dollar spreads versus versus offshore. Um, and, you know, a couple of comments there that they've really outperformed the recent widening in the last two weeks. And when we've been thinking about this and, you know, there's probably two main reasons. And, and one's just the post-COVID um, reopening in Australia looks a lot smoother than, you know, what, what we're expecting offshore. And, and Stu and Bev have touched on that. And then the street's very short inventory. And this is really around the very low issuance that we've seen vis-a-vis offshore in the last couple of months. And so those two reasons are really holding credit spreads in, in Australia. And we are seeing some outperformance there. Thanks, Richard. And good to understand a little bit more about that resilience of credit, given your comments there around the pulling of supply when the market sold off. Um, we might wrap it up there. I look forward to catching up with you all next Monday. Thank you for listening. Please watch out for our upcoming QPod podcast and have a great week ahead.